All right, the Braves have their division title, so how are they going to get ready for October? From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report, presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano, who is in Miami. And uh, Justin, this weekend's kind of felt like maybe the Braves had a really good time earlier in the week. <laughs> no, I mean, and they had an off day to recover. Uh, but yeah, this is honestly a, a good Marlins team. I've come to this ballpark a lot and have come in previous times expecting to see very bad baseball from the home nine. This is not that team, man. They've got a little more slug. The pitching's still good. They still put pressure on you on the bases. And um, look, I mean, the Braves have made it clear ever since they landed here and started this series that they've still got something to play for. So, you know, they're still going to play hard, and I would expect them to do that through the final two weeks. All right, coming up, how the Braves, of course, handle the final four series of the season, plus more history from that slugging lineup, how Lilburn's own Matt Olson feels about his franchise home run record, and what you really want to know, what's up with the Braves' bullpen. This is your first time listening to the show. We are happy to have you buckle up. we got a lot going on for the final two weeks of the season and expanded shows coming up during the playoffs. So please make sure you don't miss an episode by following us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger, and it's Kroger Chef Junior time. Parents, if you need something to do with your kids and help them learn an extremely valuable skill like cooking, sign them up for Kroger Chef Junior, which is a guided kids' cooking experience at select Kroger locations on September 23rd. This time, the lesson is how to make a pepperoni pizza salad. It's a 30-minute class where your kid will also receive an apron, patch, chef's hat and cutting board, plus a recipe card and holder for only 7 bucks per child. So register today at KrogerChefJr.com. That's KrogerChefJr.com, and Junior is spelled out. You can also find the link in the show notes as well. All right, full disclosure, in the podcast space-time continuum, we were recording this on Sunday morning because Justin's got a flight to catch. Yeah, yeah, that's that beat writer life is sometimes... There is a flight out that is reasonable, and the Miami airport is somewhat near Lone Depot Park. If this were a Sunday day game in Denver, I would have no shot of making a 715 flight. But this is one of those cities where it's reasonable, um, and rather than have yet another 4 a.m. wake-up call on a Monday, I, I opted to, to get home Sunday night. Sorry, Sorry Jay. The, uh, the the good news is um, I think we've seen enough um, this week because the Braves have already clinched. And if you missed our uh, our clinch recap special at 1 o'clock in the morning on, uh, well, Thursday when it came out, uh, go back in your feed. Uh, a, a lot of great uh, analysis and kind of capsulizing what the Braves have accomplished this year and what they still have to accomplish. So I know the last couple of days have kind of looked like, well, we've already handed in our our term paper. And we're just kind of waiting around for the final exam. Um, but is that is are, are they kind of climbing off that and the motivations there that we need to finish this off and get the top seed? Yeah, yeah, and, and even if you look at those first two nights, they could have won those games. I mean, the we will get to the bullpen, but yeah, they still feel like they've got a lot to play for. One, I asked uh, Brian Snicker before Friday's game if clinching just lets them eventually, you know, ideally set things up. And he was like, you know, it's it's almost like too much time to, to do that. Because if you think about it, Jay, October 7th, we're recording this. October 7th was three weeks away from the Saturday game. 
So when they arrived in Miami, they still had, you know, 22, 23 days until the NLDS, uh, whether you're going from Thursday or Friday. And yeah, I mean, it, they're still playing for home field advantage to the World Series. They're still playing for home field advantage through the World Series. And here is something interesting that as we record this podcast, <laughs> they actually haven't officially clinched the NLDS. Isn't that crazy? Like, I guess if they if they lost every single game and somebody else won every single game, they would technically be ticketed for the wildcard series. That that they've they will be playing on October seventh. I can tell you that right now. Um, but, but that's funny to me because like all these clinching scenarios you forget about because it's the best team in baseball and they're so far ahead of everybody else. But in terms of this, yeah, eventually you can set your pitching, but we can't forget that they're going to have from October 2nd through October 6th off after playing on October 1st and before playing on October 7th. Um, that's a long layoff. We discussed that a lot last year. We discussed whether it was the demise of last year's team, how much it hurt. It definitely hurt. They're going to have to handle it differently this year. Um, but yeah, guys still need to get at bats. Uh, the one way you can set things up, uh, Snit said is with the bullpen, you can kind of, you can kind of line things up. So you know, who's pitching when you don't have to overwork guys because you're not in a race. You did that at the end of August and early September. That's why earlier in the year you avoid three days in a row. You avoid, you know, back-to-backs if you can at times. Um, so, you know, for these times. But they've clinched. Uh, and Austin Riley said, look, like every game matters. Uh, they're going to treat it as such. Here's an interesting part, too. So the Braves, Jay, this weekend played the Marlins. The Braves are playing the Phillies next. Uh, the Braves will then play the Cubs in that final week of the season. All of those teams are in the wild card race. So even if the Braves wanted to just, I don't know, if this were the NFL and they wanted to sub out half their lineup and just use this weird lineup going into the postseason, it kind of wouldn't be cool for the integrity of the race right like these teams are still fighting for postseason spots and you don't want to affect the race with with such a move so i i think that it's going to look pretty much the same maybe there's going to be an off day built in here and there for these regulars but i mean i austin riley for example wants to play every one of them at this point so i i, I would expect that to be the case because they have they do have a long break after the season all right, we'll um, we'll, we're gonna get to the bullpen, but like we got history here, we we got a record that has fallen, a pretty special record that has fallen. Matt Olson, how does it feel to hit the most home runs in a single season in Braves franchise history? Fifty-two. It was a cool moment. Um, you know, it was cool to uh, get the ball back. I'm sure it'll be a, a nice uh, keepsake to have, and uh, yeah, cool moment for him. Pure enthusiasm from the Braves franchise uh, record holder. That is uh, <laughs> that is Matt Olson. Yep, yep, that's Matt Olson. Just the the humility. The uh, he's just never gonna boast about himself, and you know isn't gonna talk about himself. I found it funny that 
when he was on pace to do all these great things in terms of the home runs and the RBIs, he had that one monster game, you know, in Pittsburgh. And I remember like asking him, you know, I was like, Snit just said, you know, says you, you don't get talked about enough. You, you should probably get talked about more. And he's like, you know, like, I, I kind of like it that way. Like, I, I, I hope it I hope it stays that way. Uh, and in that regard, he's lucky because Ronald Acuna Jr. exists. So he has been the talk of the town. Even Marlins manager Skip Schumacher um, on Saturday night said, <laughs> it's crazy because if Ronald weren't on the team, Olsen should, you know, Olsen should be the talk of the town. It's just that Ronald's on the team. Um, no, that was that was pure Matt Olsen, really humble. Uh, I thought it was so special how <laughs> he admires the home run for a couple seconds and then starts running, you know, just just watches it. And uh, when he gets back in the dugout, high fives, couple hugs, and then he's back on the dugout bench. And it's like nothing ever happened. It was it was funny because it's like it's almost like and I talked to Austin Riley about this earlier in the week when Olsen tied the record. And he was like, yeah, it's almost like he just, you know, that's who he is. And he just expects it. He doesn't pimp home runs. He doesn't, you know, get too wild. It's just like he knows the game. I think Austin told me he knows the game can knock you down in a heartbeat. And so he doesn't take anything for granted. And I thought that was a really cool moment. The perhaps the most special part being that this guy grew up a Braves fan. He watched the likes of Andrew Chipper and the others. He knows what it means to be a Brave uh, and like Snit said earlier in the week, like he typifies if you were to make a model brave like a Hank Aaron or, you know, a Chipper Jones or a Freddie Freeman all the way down and all through those legends. He said Matt, Matt Olson is the guy you would want. So how did Matt Olson take the next step? Snit? You know, he made some adjustments, I know, coming into spring training um, and started off. Had a really good spring training. I mean, started off hot, had a, and has been kind of going ever since. And I think you know, off-season work probably had a lot to do with it, because um, he's you know, like I say, come into spring training really good, and has just kind of continued to build on it and make his adjustments. And you know, the best thing about Matt and all these guys is they allow themselves to to come out of things. You know, he had. You know, a little stretch there where it wasn't going so good, but they hang with themselves and they just keep working and, and stay confident in themselves and allow themselves to come out of it. I mean, he was had a, what, a 15 game or something, no homers. And I said, you know what? It's kind of one of them guys, when he gets it going, it can come in bunches and it has. What's been the difference between 2022 Matt Olson and this Matt Olson and even the Matt Olson we saw in April and May, which wasn't quite this guy? Yeah, yeah. Not only leading the National League, leading Major League Baseball. And home runs and RBIs. Um, he's about to, you know, obviously going to add on to that home run total probably. He could also break Eddie Matthews' record for RBIs, uh, the modern era franchise record. Look, I think, um, and I asked hitting coach Kevin Seitzer about this, like Matt Olson's swing last year to this year. And he says, look, like everybody goes through adjustments. Um, and, you know, it's just about continuing to make those tweaks. I think for Matt, I mean... If I were to move away from, you know, take the question a different direction than just somebody's swing, I think he's got to be just more comfortable, right? Like last year was a pretty tough situation. And what I mean by that is when everybody starts spring training, he's pulled aside, you know, by Oakland's GM. He's told, you know, okay, like, you know, we, we can't have you out there. You're probably getting traded. Remember the rushed spring training because of the uh, of the lockout, right. right? And so he does get traded, and he's you know he then he flies to Northport, and 
he's like barely met his teammates when he signs that you know he does the press conference for that massive contract extension um and like you know that that is all this is coming so quick and then he the gets day to before work. when the gm is almost crying because he made the trade which meant freddie freeman ain't gonna be here right and so let's stop that there and take stock of how like awkward that must have been for Matt Olson during the Freddie Freeman return tour in LA and in Atlanta and just the pressure coming in like deserved or not you know it was undeserved but fair or not like fans and and people put a lot of pressure on Matt Olson the comparisons were you know is this guy ever going to live up to what Freddie Freeman did did the Braves make the right decision why didn't the Braves give Freddie the sixth year and, and you know pay him this that the other thing people felt like they took the heart and the soul out of their clubhouse basically and replaced him with a guy who had played in oakland not knowing that matt olson fully knows what it means to be a brave not knowing that he was a braves fan not knowing that he was one of baseball's best slugging first basemen um and so i think this year he's definitely just more comfortable and i know he told me that i think it was in spring training just being like yeah, when I looked back at last year is what he said. When I looked back at last year, I realized how tough it was, like tough in ways I didn't realize. And I think, you know, the transition, first year for a team, so much going on. I think this year he's just been allowed to settle in and play baseball. Um, and I think I, I wonder if that is as big of an adjustment as anything else is that just the hoopla and the noise around him, which he never commanded, never deserved, never asked for, has somewhat subsided. Would you still give Ron Lacuna your MVP vote over 50 and 140, maybe, if he gets the RBIs up there? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I I think so, slightly. Um, because Ronald is doing – he's having a season nobody's ever had especially if he gets to 40-60 or 40-70. It will be 40-70. I mean, if he's healthy and uh, plays at least like these 10, you know, 10 of the last games or 8 of the last games, it'll be 47. Or, well, it'll be 70. I don't know if it'll be 40. I, it's rare. Nobody's ever done that. I wish we had more time with the the bases to know, like, how much – the new rules impact stolen bases. Um, Cause we, I guess we'll find out in five, 10 years when we have the data on that stuff, how much that really changed things. But you know, with what we know, Ronald's having a season that nobody's ever had. Uh, he's one of the few players who can do what he's doing. Like guys just don't have that power speed combo. Like that is elite and rare. Uh, but man, I always said like, if Olsen gets near 60, which would mean he's got upwards of 145 or 150 RBIs, you would think, unless they're all solo shots, I would think you've got to start thinking about giving it to Olsen, especially because the OPS is going to be higher. And his batting average, as you mentioned, his batting average isn't bad. It's not like he's hitting 260 with 45, 50 bombs. I mean, he's he's batting 280. His numbers it's not Kyle are here. Yeah, and his numbers with runners in scoring position are insane this year. And so, I mean, I know. I I think it's a lot closer than people think, especially because I tend to think voters, 
like we are in the weeds because we cover the Braves. So we know Ronald Acuna is doing something that's never been done. We know the backstory, this, that, the other thing. Voters sometimes don't. Like they've got a bigger picture view, which can be good because it's a more objective view at times um, because they're not so in the weeds um, and not objective. Like, you know, we're rooting for one outcome or the other. We're just so close to it. And sometimes voters see things differently. Like I'll give you a good example. Last year, I had a couple voters ask me about Spencer Strider versus Michael Harris. And I was thinking like, well, we all have been thinking it's been Michael Harris just based on being able to play every day for, you know, for rookie of the year. I think it's a lot closer than people think, man. You, you hit 50. I mean, that's something that is hard to do too, is hit 50 plus home runs, um, especially in the non juice ball area era. Uh, and I mean, I think it's Matt Olson has to have has to get serious consideration along with Ronald Acuna and Mookie Betts. Speaking of uh, Ronald Acuna, what is the uh, on a scale of one to ten? What is the concern meter for his calf? Yeah, right now, I'm like as we sit here right now, he sat out Saturday. I'm, I'm like a three, a four. I mean, Snit said those are kind of touchy things, so. Oh, when I asked, hey, like, would he would he be playing through this if you guys were in a race, if you guys needed him? And he was like, I don't know. You know, he's like, probably not, honestly, just because those are, you know, that area doesn't heal quick sometimes. And they're touchy things. And they want to keep him, you know, I think as much as anything, they also want to keep him off the turf uh, in Miami, which is not friendly on outfielders and their legs. Um, but... I don't know that I'm overly concerned. Probably a, a four max, just because you never want to see anything happen to Ronald Acuna during a special season and when the Braves need him um, to achieve their, you know, their biggest goals. But on the other hand, it, I mean, it didn't seem super serious. Uh, if it's just calf tightness, like that should be, you know, rest and, and treatment. You would, you would think, and unless it's something more serious, but if we're just going by how it's calf tightness, I mean, that's not, you know, he didn't sprain a knee or anything. There's not anything there that, you know, I, I would think that would be resolved uh, fairly quickly, but I'm, I'm not a doctor. And, you know, as Snit said that it can be a touchy area, it can, you know, it's something that doesn't just heal instantly. Um, you've got to be intentional with that. Uh, and so I, I, you know, I don't think it's anything to be concerned about for October. Or anything. All right. Coming up. What's up with the Braves bullpen? And we got the answers to your questions in the Ask Justin segment. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. What's so great about being a Kroger Boost member? Free delivery on the Kroger products you love and more rewards, too, like double fuel points on everything you buy. Experience a new level of membership, starting as low as $59 a year with Boost by Kroger Plus. Learn more at Kroger.com today. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. 
All right, don't forget, time to load up on Braves playoff coverage now. Make sure you're strapped in because October's around the corner, and the best way to do that is make sure you've signed up for the Braves Report newsletter. Interesting title because what we try to do in the podcast, we also try to do in the Braves Report newsletter, which is deliver all the Braves coverage right in your inbox Monday through Friday. So you can do that by going to AJC.com slash newsletters to sign up and also make sure that uh, you are part of our continuing coverage of the Braves postseason run by becoming a subscriber to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You get everything Justin writes, everything our sports department writes, plus breaking news, food and dining investigations, politics, etc. Go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast to get Three months of unlimited digital access for 99 cents. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's going on. All right. Now time to talk about the bullpen, which wasn't too great. Snit, how you feeling? When you look at the bullpen, I know they've given up some runs, but you could say the same about any bullpen. No, no, I think yeah. like fans are probably just hyper-focused on the team they're rooting for. Is that one yeah. of those things where you, when you look from 10,000 feet, you know, they're doing a great exactly. job. Exactly, they're doing a great job. I mean, there's going to be time where it's not a, a perfect science, and it's, they're not going to be perfect. And nobody is in this in this business. And uh, here's Matt Olson on why you should trust this praise bullpen. Uh, we got a lot of guys who've been doing it for a long time. Um, with, with some really good stuff and, uh, you know, some, some guys who want the ball and are competitors out there. Uh, you know, it's been, you know, what, two games here that a couple, a couple of things have happened. Um, you know, I, I've said it a lot. You can, you can pick snapshots throughout the course of a year and, and kind of uh, create a narrative for whatever you want. Um, and uh, if you look at the long run, we're in a good spot. And uh, we we uh, trust every guy that's on that mountain. This is kind of like one of the weirder bullpens to get my arms around because statistically, it's one of the best in baseball. But you have weeks like this week. Yeah, I know. I This is a really, really good bullpen. It's a deep bullpen, but I can't like things. These things happen in baseball like they just do. But on the other hand, like fans are fans, and I'm trying to think of like a bullpen's like a kicker, right? Like a college kicker. Like no matter how good he might be, fans are always going to worry about it, right? Because it's that one area of the game that's like an equalizer. Like, I mean, it's, you know, statistically very hard to score runs against Max Fried and against. Garrett Cole at his best and uh you know I'm trying to think Jacob DeGrom when he's healthy and unhittable but the bullpen man it just seems like relievers go up and down and up and down and you know that's how it is like that's just volatile (laughs) like you don't sometimes don't know what to expect there are two views of this Jay one is and you could go either way uh, one of the best examples of these bullpen issues are the two losses, Friday and Saturday. So Friday, the Braves give up, is it, uh, you know, five runs in the seventh. Saturday, they give up six runs in the eighth. And they started the week like this. Rysel Iglesias gives up a game-tying home run to Bryce Harper in game one of that doubleheader. The Braves still won that game in Philadelphia. On Tuesday, Iggy gave up another game tying home run. So no, nobody's been immune. I mean, I would say AJ Minter's pitch well, but nobody's been immune. Um, and so, I mean, entering Saturday, the Braves had allowed, the bullpen had allowed 30 runs since September 4th, 
which is the third most in baseball over that span. Um, and then Yates and Tonkin gave up six more. Um, and four of those were charged to Yates. Uh, but I mean, then I, I think what you're talking about, Jay, and, and being able to hard to wrap your arms around that is, is, you know, even before all that, Atlanta's relievers had still combined to post the fifth best ERA in baseball entering Saturday. Like, it's still good, right? But sometimes that doesn't matter with a bullpen because, especially in October, like one or two bad bullpen performances can basically write your plane ticket home. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it's tough to it's tough to discern. I mean, they're just not pitching well right now. It's kind of extended to everybody. Like Joe Jimenez has hit a rough spot. Um, Kirby Yates had a great week and then hit you know had a you know had a good performance and you know Philly got the final outs uh, to clinch the division then hit a rough patch. Uh, Brad Hand had two strikes on like everybody and their brother in the stadium on Friday and just could not put guys away and then had you know a rough one. Um, and then oh by the way when you know they walked Yuli Gurriel on Friday intentionally walked him uh, because of that track record former batting champ. And then Brad Hand with two strikes hits Xavier Edwards or just, you know, just couldn't put guys away. And, and then on Saturday, Kirby Yates has two outs and then a walk and a homer. <laughs> and then eventually Michael Tonkin gives up a grand slam. It, like, it just seems like things are not going well this week for that bullpen. And it's tough to, to do that when to have that happen when you're on the road and the momentum's, you know, toward the home team when things start to get brewing. I mean... This is a good bullpen. You want to go into October with a bullpen with these guys' track records. But sometimes, as we've seen in baseball, like that that doesn't matter. Like Sometimes it's just a bad stretch for the bullpen. And one bad stretch in October, as I said, basically punches your plane ticket. And I mean, it's, it's something that Matt Olson is right. It's something where there are guys with track records there. They've done it for a long time. And they've got stuff. Like, this is not just guys with no stuff that are living on fluky seasons. Like they've got good stuff, but the struggles have extended to everybody. Um, and right now, like, yeah, of course fans are going to be upset about it or, or worried about it. Like that is true. Then again, it's also true. What Matt said. I do think that, look, if you split out anything in the entire season, like, well, maybe not the historic Braves offense. Cause that would be tough. You'd only have a few days. But if you split out anything in the season, you could pretty much create any narrative you wanted about anything. Just because that's how baseball works. It's 162 games. There's a lot of time and leeway to split things how you want them. Has not been a good month for this bullpen. Um, I guess what you hope is that they're just... It's like uh, when you have the flu and you just have to like sweat it out. I guess like they hope they just get all this out. All right, now we will use that to shift into a partly bullpen-featured Ask Justin segment where we answer Bryce fans' questions on Twitter, X social media, at Justin C. Toscano. All right, first up from Matt, I am highly concerned about this bullpen. Are they tired, overworked, true colors coming out, slumping? Please don't sugarcoat their struggles lately and say I'm overreacting. Yes, sir, Matt. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think... I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, It's a bunch of good guys with good stuff. 
but they're not pitching well. Like they they just aren't pitching well. Like that's the thing is like I don't think it's it's not. Remember earlier in the season, Jay, when we talked about AJ Minter was luck, and we brought up his expected stats and the quality of contact stats, and saw that they're similar last year. It's not luck when you're just walking guys and when you're hitting guys, and like that's not luck. Like that's that that is an outcome that a pitcher controls. I think that's a problem I see is like they're just walking way too many guys right now, um, and that's just anecdotal. Like I don't have the exact number in front of me. It just feels like they've walked a lot of guys uh, recently. I mean, and they're just like being susceptible to the home run. Like that's not a good that's not a good thing that's happened lately. I, I don't think they're overworked. They were a little bit at the beginning of September before they clinched at the end of August because they had to, and that's but that's the point in the season where they they know that they're going to be, you know, they might pitch three in a row or they might go three out of four just because they don't do that earlier in the season. They set it up that way so that they can do that when it matters down the stretch. Um, but, I mean, I just think, I don't know that they're tired, but I just think it's it's a little bit of a malaise, right? Like, sometimes it's contagious with anything in baseball. And I, I just think you look at it and, like, you've got A.J. Minter pitching well. I can't remember the last time he gave up runs. Um but even in Philly, he almost gave up one. He looked shaky at, at one point, if I recall, um, but didn't give up a run, I don't think, uh, anecdotally again. But everybody, for the most part, has given up runs in this recent stretch, these seven to ten days. Um, nobody has been immune to whatever is going around. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's the one thing, though, is like these guys have good stuff. They've got to pound the zone. Um sometimes things like this happen you hope that it's not doesn't last but yeah like we've talked about luck a lot it's a lot harder to give that benefit of the doubt when one they're giving up home runs and two they're just walking guys like that you're not leaving much you know into factor in the equation there maybe the best way i can i can kind of sum up how i feel about about this bullpen is this is an incredibly built regular season bullpen because there's eight guys out there and None of them are having horrible years. AJ Minner, ERA at 377. Kirby Yates, ERA 330. Joe Jimenez, 331. Colin McKe- or, uh, Rice L. Iglesias, 326. Michael Tonkin, 388. Those are your top five horses right now. They're all like the same guy. And sometimes they've been dominant, and sometimes people run around the bases. But there's been nobody there with like truly just a dominant, like fireman of the year award year. And I think that's. That's where the 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 shakiness feels is is all this going to pop up in October yeah. or are they going to be the the night shift again? Both things seem to be in play. Yeah, a hundred percent. I would I would say I would say Iggy's as close to that like dominance as you you know kind of that that you mentioned because I think he had eighteen consecutive outings where he didn't give up a run was the reliever NL reliever of the month. Uh, in August or where he didn't give up an earned run, I should say, because he gave up that one at Dodger stadium on that ghost runner Manfred ball rule. Um, but I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I totally see what you're saying in that. Uh, yeah. You can like, you know, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like, you know, when the Mets were headed to October last year with Edwin Diaz having the year he did, yep. or when the Brewers are, Padres were headed to, and I mean, even Josh Hader struggled last year, had this awful spurt, but 
when they were headed to October, the Brewers with like Josh Hader or the Padres with Josh Hader, you know, or like newsflash, like Mariano Rivera doesn't exist anymore. Like it, I, I mean, it's, that's, it's so hard to put together one of those seasons where you're just incredibly dominant. Um, one thing I found interesting was uh, ESPN did a piece um, about shoot. It was a few weeks ago, I think now, and it was one of the reporters, uh, I feel like, I believe it was Jesse Rogers, asking executives around the game anonymously, like, what the Braves' biggest weakness is. Like, can you even find one? And one of the executives mentioned that they don't have a ton of guys in the bullpen who throw over 96 miles an hour. And stuff matters in the postseason and velocity matters in the postseason. I don't know how legitimate that like, well, is or will end up being. But it's certainly something I hadn't thought about. Uh, then again, like, look at the Phillies, man. You've got three or four guys in that bullpen who throw over 96 miles an hour, and sometimes they don't know where it's going, and the Braves usually tag them. So it doesn't doesn't mean that's good. It doesn't mean that's the winning recipe. But, yeah, like, I can see your point. Um, and you grew up watching the Braves teams of the 90s and the early 2000s, and you know – what can happen? And and I get it. I think these guys deserve a little leeway. Like, let's see what happens over the next seven days. Um, let's see how Iggy responds. Um, you know, if Minter can kind of keep this little role, if those the other guys can bounce back a little bit, if Pierce Johnson can get back to doing what he was doing right after the trade. But, yes, like, I think for in some to, to some degree, like, that's how you're going to feel about every bullpen because – there aren't a lot of Edwin Diaz's and Josh Hader's in the game. In fact, I, th- I think there's only two. And one of them ain't playing this year. Uh, me- yeah. Meanwhile, from Brody, any update on Nick Anderson? Yeah, so Nick Anderson's going to uh, – I think he's going to start a rehab assignment. I think it'll be Tuesday with uh, with Gwinnett and Daisbel Hernandez is close to starting a rehab assignment as well. Um, but, yep, Nick Anderson, I don't know if that's enough time to make it back. Uh, but I would think he would have to shove and show something in those few rehab games he gets in before Gwinnett's season ends on, I think it's September 24th. Um, but yeah, that's that's what Nick Anderson is slated to do. And a couple questions about this guy. We'll let Matt take it. Any chance they give Waldrop an opportunity in the pen? And that's Hurston Waldrop, the Braves' first round pick in July. And he's already made it up to double A with an ERA of 1.80 and 36 strikeouts in 25 innings. <sighs> Yeah, the 36 strikeouts in 25 innings is crazy. Um, when they drafted him, they believed his splitter, which is his out pitch, was good enough to get outs right now at the major league level. That doesn't mean he should be up this year, but it does tell you what they thought about him and potentially having one of the best secondary pitches in the draft. Um, and that's why they took him in the first round. They're fortunate, felt fortunate he fell to them. I don't know, though, man. Like, that's a. That's a lot. Like, that's asking a lot. I mean, he is a college college guy, though. So, I mean, you know, who knows? And if he's ruling double-A, they say these days double-A is almost more difficult than triple-A. Uh, it's, it's almost, you know, you're playing against better competition because all the prospects are there. Um, I mean, I don't know. It, it's so tough because they've done a lot of – Alex has done a lot of things that – Alex Anthopoulos has done a lot of things that have surprised me. You never know – what he's thinking or what he might do or how aggressive he might be. But that, I mean, I guess if they need somebody, 
that would be good. But I, I would think that, you know, I don't know, maybe Smith Shaver comes out of the bullpen and, you know, is on the postseason roster and can provide you like with some electric stuff. But nobody's got that splitter like Waldrop does. And I think, I mean, I think that can certainly be a weapon. But then again, I don't know, like if you're a team with actual World Series aspirations with a deep 40-man roster, this, that, and the other thing, like, are you going to bring up a guy for his debut in the postseason? Like, I don't, that seems very aggressive. You'd have to be very sure about it. But he's putting up the case where they would have to think about it if they were ever going to think about it. There is a test case here. Uh, are you familiar with the story of Joey Devine? I am not. So in 2005, the Braves did not have a good bullpen. And they drafted a college closer named Joey Devine. And he pitched in the majors that season and pitched in five games in the regular season and had an ERA of 1260. And then pitched in three games in the postseason with an ERA of 1080 and never really got to show his promise uh, that was expected. Pitched five seasons in the big leagues, righted the ship a little bit with the Braves in 2007, and then looked, actually looked good in Oakland for a couple of years but couldn't stay healthy. Didn't work out. No, yeah, and it doesn't mean Waldrop wouldn't, but yeah, no, yep. I. It's just it's a hard, it's a difficult transition when you can't transition, like when you can't transition into it, when you're when you're thrust into it, like I would think would happen if he's on you know the postseason roster and makes his debut, or maybe I don't know, like maybe they would give him a shot at the end of this season or something like that. Who knows? Like maybe they maybe they'll pull the Strider where he gets a shot the last weekend or maybe the last week and see what he has but here's where this becomes difficult for me is like he might have better stuff than everybody but you don't know what he's going to do without any major league experience and then you already have a pretty packed 40-man roster like we're already talking about the bullpen roster decisions for the postseason and how like we don't know if Nick Anderson a guy who performed for them this year is going to make it back and we were talking about well Dylan Lee now will not be making it back because he's on the 60-day IL um, and it's been shut down for the season. But we were talking about, like, who were they going to have to leave off? Who were going to be those, the odd man out, the odd men out? I mean, I would really see how they would like to do that if they wanted Waldrop on the roster because there would be some maneuvering there. Um, but I don't know, man. I guess stuff plays, and they, they've honestly, like, for the most part, gotten it right when they've been aggressive with guys in the minors and shuttling them up and, and giving them more opportunities. So... Maybe this is another case of that, especially because the 35 strikeouts in 26 innings or 36 strikeouts in 25 innings. All right, next up from Travis Bradshaw. Plans for Wright over the next two weeks, and what is his role looking like, especially in the division series? Penn, question mark. Yeah, so he did not pitch. He was lined up for Saturday here in Miami. Uh, did not pitch. They had a TBA for that day, which Jared Schuster eventually filled uh, because they did not want Kyle Wright starting on regular rest. Uh, right after coming off the injured list. Look, he looked rusty in Philly. That first inning, he looked rusty. He looked like a guy who had not pitched in a while, um, you know, in terms of in a, in a major league game. Uh, they, I mean, I know Kyle as well had told me like that week um, that he expected to, you know, he thought it was probably the good move to a good move to get another rehab start. Uh, that didn't happen. The Braves just brought him back and figured, hey, why not get the innings here? Um, and you know, and Kyle had to take kind of the positives. He wanted to pitch better, but had to take the, Hey, you know, I'm back. 
Uh, I can start this, you know, you know, back and ready to go. He's going to make regular starts, I would assume, um, on whatever schedule they would want him on. But I do think that right now for the postseason, yeah, he's like a bullpen arm because you don't I don't think that you have enough info on him right now. This is not like if this were months ago, the Braves, you know, could afford to be like, okay, you're going to have a rotation spot, you know, when you come back. But given the you only need three, four starters in the postseason for these series, you got Max Fried, you got Spencer Strider with the way he's pitching. You're not going to not give Charlie Morton starts. Um, You've got Bryce Elder, who has shown you that he can consistently um, give you good starts. Uh, and, and then, I mean, I mean, you've got, um, you've got Kyle Wright to come out of the bullpen. He can make starts, whatever you need him to be. But I think that right now he's a bullpen, you know, option for them that, you know, and, and I don't know, like, I do wonder the line, like, has he made the postseason roster? Does he have something to prove? Like, what if he doesn't look good over these last few weeks? Like, will they go with somebody else who's, you know, maybe better, you know, they know would be better at the bullpen. I don't know, but I think Kyle would be, uh, you know, I, he's not definitely not a penciled in starter for the postseason right now. All right, we'll take one more off the AJC podcast hotline. Uh, give us a call anytime uh, you want to be part of the show and uh, ask us what you want to ask us any question you want. 404 526 AJCP. That's 404 526 2527. Brady from Florida, I'd like to apologize to Austin Riley for saying to move him down in the lineup first and foremost. He is amazing, and I overlooked that. Now, we've seen what the Braves and Snit have done with giving guys like Darius Fines and Jared Schuster some extra starts and kind of working down that pay, or, uh, workload for our starters. Do we think maybe our starters get back to their once every five days uh, heading into the bye before the NLDS and so they're going to have a five-day break? All right, first of all, Brady, uh, we accept your apology um, for, for Austin Riley. Uh, that, that was a callback to, uh, to a couple of weeks ago. Now to his regular question about the rotation. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was I, I like I like him owning that. That was that was yes. nice. Um, that was that was cool. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I I think I mean I think Snit. So Snit said before Friday's game here in Miami that they were still going to continue to give guys extra rest when they wanted to, um, which I would assume you know might be once for those guys you know depending on some guys it'll work with the off day next monday after the series in dc some guys it'll work you know naturally like that but i would think yeah you would want guys you know kind of pretty close to regular like nobody with seven days off because you figure like they're gonna have about almost everybody is going to have about a week off from the end of the regular season to the postseason. So, yeah, you don't want to give them anything extraordinarily long. But I would think that just because it's going to work out, like they've got that final team off day on the um, – it would be the 25th um, before that last week of the season, before that last home stand at Truist Park. Um, I, I would think it's going to work out pretty naturally. Well, guys will get like an extra day or most of them. Um, but yeah, I would, I would think then you would want to keep things regular, uh, through the end of the season. So you could kind of line it up how you want and that, uh, somebody goes, you know, Sunday and that final regular season finale, and then doesn't not pitch until, you know, whatever. So I, I would, I would think they're going to, you know, they have time to line it up, which is the good thing about clinching early. Um, 
but yeah, they're they're gonna have you know some rest between that last game and that NLDS. All right, winners of the week. I'm going to go with the Braves offense. I want to go. Matt Olson deserves it, but that's just way too obvious. I've done some obvious ones uh, this week and I or this season, and I want to inform and educate. So yes, along with Matt Olson, my winners of the week, which includes Matt Olson, it's the Braves offense. Uh, and the Braves offense on Saturday tied the 2019 Twins for the MLB record for the most players on a single team with 30-plus home runs. Here's a stat for you, Jay. So Ozzy Albies hit his 30th home run in the first inning on Saturday. Ozzy, Matt Olson, Ronald Acuna Jr., Austin Riley, and Marcelo Zuna entered Saturday with more home runs between them than 17 teams. Think about that. <laughs> 17. I mean... You, you you stole mine. I was going to give it to Ozzy for being the fifth one uh, to get the 30 <laughs> homers. But, I mean, it, we're still in play here where the entire Braves starting lineup could have 20 home runs. Oh, yeah, no. And um, it's difficult to chew on. I mean, Michael Harris has 18 of them now, and that's your number nine hitter. It's difficult to chew on, too, that that what I mentioned about them having more home runs than 17 teams, that includes teams like the Reds, for example, and a team like the Red Sox, and a team like the Orioles. And this this one surprises me. It includes a team like the Blue Jays, who we have known to have some sluggers over the last few years um, and to be a good hitting team. No, that's it's it's pretty wild. I mean, the fact that I mean, Eddie Rosario would be the record breaker probably because he's got 21 home runs, so he's, he's going to need to get hot. We know he can. I don't know if there's enough time left, but to stand alone, we know what happened in 2019 with the baseballs or what is alleged, what allegedly happened, I should say. To have to be the only two teams in history to do that is really cool, and there were only 13 teams in history who had four such guys, uh, including the 98 Braves, which I, I've heard are were a pretty good team. Yes, they were a pretty good team. All right, so that's where we will uh, leave it here. So please enjoy your flight back to Atlanta, and we'll see you Monday uh, against the Phillies. Yep, yep. No, I appreciate it. We've got uh, – what are we going to be covering next week? We've got the Phillies, right? And then we will have that series against the Nationals. Four games yep. in D.C., which – it feels like we, as in the B-Corps, have not been there in months. And that is because <laughs> the New Balance schedule and D.C. was the very first trip and it is the very last trip. So we will bookend it there and we'll have that all for you. And uh, Jay, one of the best parts before we leave everybody, one of the best parts, if, if your team clinches, you know, like for all these Braves fans, their team already clinched. You get to just sit back and watch the madness, which I think is probably the best part for them about having their team clinch early. As we sit here about to go into this Sunday, the wild card race in the NL, the Cardinals, or the Reds, I should say, and the Diamondbacks are tied for that third spot, and Miami is half a game back from that third spot. So there's, there's going to be some madness and the giants are still two and a half out. So who knows um, what they do. Also ultimate bad luck in the season has got to be Miami beating the Braves twice at home and gaining no ground doing it. But until then do your duty rate 
review, follow, share, subscribe. You know, help us grow the show. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, and we'll see you next Monday on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now, Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein, And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.